0: If you're
1: looking for a happy place, you have found it. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and greetings. I'm your host, Jr. Houston. Glad that you are joining us once again for another edition of the podcast that is dedicated to bringing you closer to your peak happiness through powerful positive psychology, relatable stories and insights, and maybe we'll have a little bit of fun along the way as well. We're excited that you're joining us from wherever you are in the world. Plus, we're excited to bring on our partners, Live Happy Magazine. Of course, that's where we get our name. They've got issues on newsstands. Everywhere You can also find the digital edition online and our partner Life Reimagined, their website lifereimagined.org slash happy and they've got all kinds of things on there for you to think about and try to apply to your daily life as you move forward. They say as you awaken it to the power of happiness, so do your dreams. So what's next? Well, find out more at lifereimagined.com slash happy got a fun, fun conversation coming up for you today. We've got Susie Pelegi powelski is a contributing editor for Live Happy Magazine and a wellness counselor specializing in the science of happiness and its effects on health and relationships. Her 2010 Scientific American Mind cover story, The Happy Couple, was selected by the magazine as one of its most intriguing articles in recent years. James Powelski is a Ph.D. and Director of Education and Senior Scholar in the Positive Psychology Center at the University of Pennsylvania. And for the last 10 years, he has served as the founding director of the Master of Applied Positive Psychology program, the world's first degree program in positive psychology, mind you. And he's also founding director of the International Positive Psychology Association. Live Happy COO, co-founder, and editorial director Deborah Heiss had a chance to sit down with the both of them to discuss the importance of applying positive psychology research to relationships and how to give and receive strengths to create a better relationship.
0: Susie and James, thank you so much for coming on Live Happy Now. Um, Just so our listeners know, I've known Susie and James for a couple of years. Uh, James and I are both on the International Positive Education Network Advisory Board, and uh, we've had some great conversations, and I'm really excited to have them on the show because they're doing some research um, that's new in positive psychology, which is on the impact of positive, or the relationship between positive psychology and romance. And uh, I'd really like to invite them to kind of tell us how they became about, came about researching romance as it relates to positive psychology.
2: Thanks, Deborah, for having us here. Um, I can answer that. Several years back, I was doing a story for Scientific American Mind on exactly what you said, the impact of positive psychology on relationships. And in my research, I uncovered some really interesting facts that I had never seen before in the popular media. So this story that started out as just a smaller piece ended up becoming much larger than I envisioned and then a cover story. And what I found really interesting is that there were a lot of information, different aspects in positive psychology that could help couples, but it had never really been out in the popular press. So after I ended up doing the story, it came out on the newsstands, coincidentally titled The Happy Couple, the same month that James and I walked down the aisle. So that's not <laughs> pressure alone to have your own bylined article saying The Happy Couple. So that's sort of where it began, and then looking at that, obviously, we thought, well, we can't just, you know, be writing about this and talking about it. That's something we could use for our own relationship.
0: Well, you know, James, I know that you have a background in the humanities. Um, Did that have an impact on your desire to spend some time researching positive psychology and romance? One of the
3: really powerful opportunities that we have in our our culture today is to bring together the best Of scientific research with the best of wisdom of the ages and surely romance and has been a part of um, uh, what poets have written about and novelists have written about uh, certainly something that um, theologians and philosophers have uh, pondered Um, and so to bring that background or or that um, interest uh, that covers all kinds of cultures and Uh, across millennia of time to the work that's currently being done using contemporary uh, empirical methods, I think is especially promising and especially fun, particularly when we think about it not just in terms of the theory of constructing some kind of a, 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 a concept, but actually putting it into practice in our own lives.
0: What exactly does researching romance entail?
3: When we look at, at researching, so it's, it's a combination of uh, focusing on largely on positive psychology because both of us have a background and, and an interest in positive psychology. And then looking at those elements of positive psychology research that bring to bear on, first of all, relationships in general, um, because romantic relationships should be a subcategory of, of relationships in general. Uh, and then focusing in on how can that research be applied in this particular context. Sometimes, you know, it it, it might be taking it, um, again, a practical step further uh, in that connection.
2: So basically what we've been doing, I've been uh, writing freelance articles on the topic, and James and I have been traveling across the country and internationally giving workshops on this. And, Thirdly, we've been working for the past few years on a book that will be coming out sometime in the future. We'll let you know when we know.
0: Now that you've done all this research, you guys obviously have the perfect relationship and um, you know all the answers for that, right? It's,
3: it really, it's because we don't believe in using the language of best and worst when it comes to relationships. Um, we believe in using the language um, of better and so uh just like when you go to the gym, it's not about having a perfect body or uh, you know, the world's worst body. It's about maintaining yourself and making improvements. And so we like to use the example of a gym of a gym and you know, a relationship gym. And Susie and I realize the importance of working out in that relationship gym ourselves and how much fun it is uh to have other people join us. So when we do a workshop on relationships, it's, it's really a, uh, an invitation to everyone to come to a relationship workout with us and focus on the, uh, the research that's done and then put it into practice in a, in a real and interactive way.
0: So, so what are some of the things that you focus on in the workshops?
2: We talk about gratitude. We talk about passion. We talk about the strengths, and we talk about kindness, among uh, many other things.
3: We've been kind of working both from the standpoint of these um, topics in positive psychology, as Susie mentioned, and we're also trying to look at them specifically from the standpoint of, you know, being um, in relationship. So consider the following um, scenario. Um, what we like to ask our, our audiences when we're doing the workshops, um, how many of you have ever been driving on the highway and someone in front of you does something unbelievably Um, dangerous or stupid? And when we ask that question, of course, the hands immediately go up. We've all observed that. And then we say, okay, how many of you have ever been driving on the highway and you yourself have done something unbelievably dangerous (laughs) or stupid? And the same hands go up, only now sheepishly. Then we say, what would happen? How would your driving patterns change if every time you got in the highway, you were driving with the same group of five or six cars right so the reason we get on the highway in the morning and we don't think about what happened the day before typically is because it's a whole new group of of cars that are on the highway and we've, we haven't seen these drivers before and they don't remember what we did yesterday was so dangerous or stupid but if the cars were the same ones that white chevrolet that i you know nearly uh, you know really cut off yesterday or, you know, the blue Honda behind me that um, nearly caused me to wreck the day before. We would remember those things. And so it would be important not just how we drove, but how we interacted with the other drivers. And I think that in relationships, in romantic relationships and families and friendships, it's kind of like driving down the highway with the same pod of cars, you know, all the time. So positive psychology has focused a lot on individual interventions, on initiating Gratitude or initiating kindness and so on, discovering your own signature strengths. And we think all of those things are very important, of course. And when we think about it from the standpoint of relationships, I think we also need to add another layer. So it's not just about how these things are initiated, but also how they're responded to. So it becomes an interactive kind of situation. So if Susie expresses All kinds of gratitude, and I respond to it in a terrible way. That's going to shut down the interaction. It's not going to be. It's not going to pull us up into you know more positive domains and um, dimensions.
0: So you're going to demonstrate the the gratitude model, but also the similar model would apply to passion, strengths, and kindness.
3: That's exactly right. Yes. So what we what we what we've identified is a kind of need to think both about how to initiate something that's good, something that's positive, and how to respond to it so it becomes this interaction. And once we have, once we're clear on that model, then we can apply it to things like gratitude, passion, strengths, kindness, virtually any topic in positive psychology.
2: Many of us are familiar with gratitude, and in positive emotion research led by Barbara Fredrickson, she has said that gratitude is probably one of the most important for relationships, and that expressing it um, with our partner on a regular basis increases our satisfaction, and that's for both partners. Um, It's important to do it continuously, kind of like the uh, relationship uh, gym that we talked about. Um, It serves as a booster shot, so it helps relationships on the day-to-day moments, but also you could kind of, it saves up some like reserve for later time in the relationship when you especially need a boost, And in fact, she found that how well a partner felt that he or she expressed gratitude was related with a 50% decrease in the chances of the relationship falling apart six months later. And it's because when you express and you receive gratitude, it really makes you feel understood by your partner. But it's not just if you express gratitude. Many of us probably do, hopefully, to our partners, but in the research, they found that it's the partner expressed gratitude that was really important so there's a way you can express gratitude that's really focused on yourself um, or you could focus on the other person which is the ideal way and by focusing on that person's strengths um, parts of their personality that's a really uh, positive way to express gratitude not just on the benefit that you're getting from their action
3: Great. Thanks, Susie. So we take that information, which is, you know, really key core positive psychology research, and we think about it from the standpoint of strengths, for example, the VIA classification of strengths and virtues that Peterson and Seligman developed in 2004. And if you look at that classification, you know, there are 24 strengths ranged under six different virtues. One of the strengths is the capacity to love and be loved. We all know people for whom it is easy to love other people, but it might be harder for them to allow themselves to be loved. And I'm sure we know people who just love to be loved but have a little bit more challenge loving others. Another one of the giving and receiving strengths is kindness, for example. Again, we all know people who love to be kind, but then it's harder for them to receive kindness and vice versa. Forgiveness is the same thing it 's one thing to forgive it 's another thing to allow yourself to be forgiven so we put gratitude in this um, in this category as well because it 's one thing to be grateful to someone else it 's another thing to um, be able to take in the gratitude that someone else is expressing.
0: So in relationships, it's not just the expression of gratitude, it's how the other person responds to that expression. We
3: like to think of it, we like to think of it as the gratitude dance, right? So in a dance, it's important how one person may initiate something. Uh, and the other person needs to respond to it in a way that works otherwise the dance will fall apart
0: is there an example that you could could you do a little role-playing for us and uh, give us an example of how this works
3: one of the things that we like to do in our workshops is to um, talk about how dance you know how how the gratitude dance might work well or might not work so well Um, so I'll just give you uh, so we'll just do a little vignette here so um, Susie I want to thank you so much for how you helped me and the other editors of this new book that we've just written. It's a book on human flourishing, a poetry anthology. And, you know, we're academics, so we, you know, focus on poems, but we don't know the marketing side of things. We don't know how to take this into the public and help other people find out about what we've done. Um, And you have this background in PR and marketing, and so it's so helpful to be able to turn to you and ask you these things because you really help us be able to market what we've done, and it, it helps us get the word out. It helps us you know, um, connect with more people helps us get book signings and all that kind of stuff. So, thank you very much for how you've helped me and, and my colleagues.
2: Uh, James, it wasn't really a big deal. That's kind of what I do.
3: Okay, so that was yeah, Deborah. I got it. <laughs> so we'll put you we'll put you on the spot. And what did you notice about the way I expressed? That gratitude. Who was who was it about?
0: It was about being thankful for her helping you with something that was one of your major goals.
3: Yes, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly right. I was expressing gratitude, but it was all about me. It was all about how Susie had helped me, right? And the research that Susie referred to just a few minutes ago indicates that that might not be the most effective way of expressing expressing gratitude. Okay, so you're you're one for one. You ready for another question, Deborah? Let's go for it. All right. So, what about Susie? So, what did you notice about the way Susie responded?
0: How did I receive that
2: gratitude?
0: You did didn't. receive or respond? You, you did not. You did not receive that as gratitude. <laughs> right. You received that as, of course, I helped you. You're my husband.
2: Right. <laughs> what else am I
3: gonna do? Right? Yeah. So that was a pretty short-lived, short-lived dance.
2: So with James and I, um, like to say, the way uh, people can react to gratitude based upon research and from things we found in our experience, um, that there's a couple of different ways. Uh, deflection is probably the worst way how I just responded. Oh, geez, it was no big deal. I do that all the time. There's reciprocation where I like to call it the hot potato. James thanks me for something, and then I immediately say, oh, and I want to thank you for what you did yesterday. So instead of really receiving that attitude, taking it in, I'm – throwing the ball or the potato back in his court. Of course, you're at a cocktail party and there's, you know, social banter or whatnot. Somebody compliments you and says, oh, Deborah, that's a nice dress. You could say, oh, well, that's a nice tie. Again, that's appropriate in the context. But when we're talking about relationships and really trying to go deeper and have an authentic connection and give and receive praise to our partner, um, that kind of cocktail party, social banter, hot potato toss, probably isn't the best way to really strengthen your relationship.
3: Actually, let me mention one other one on that kind of side. There's also discounting, right? So this is a, you know, so you've, uh, you've written a paper, or let's say you've made a, a dinner. Let's say you've made Thanksgiving dinner, right? And you've worked all day long, and, you know, your family sits down, and they're like, "Whoa, this is amazing." The temptation is to say, "Let me explain to you all the reasons why it's not amazing." The potatoes are dried out. The turkey is this; it was overdone. It right. So sometimes we go into that mode of discounting what we've done instead of um, accepting. So that's the that's the the other side. The way that we can supportively take in the gratitude is by accepting it. You know, just really the person is wanting to give us a gift in, in in reality. So just taking it in, and oftentimes just a simple thank you does that, but not responding back with a lot of things, just breathing it in. And then secondly, taking it in, not just taking it in, but then amplifying it, so savoring it. So just pausing and thinking, you know, this person is really expressing this gratitude because they want me to feel good about this, and how can I um, – Take it into kind of every fiber of my being, and really, um, you know, respond uh, respond well to that.
0: Well, I think uh, you know, I don't know about the rest of the rest of our listeners or you guys, but for me, the the, uh, the natural uh, inclination of my upbringing is to be humble. So um, the deflection just seems to be a natural uh, a natural reaction to somebody expressing praise or appreciation, it's like, ah, it was really no big deal. It's almost like this socially accepted response. Um, do you find that to be a more difficult thing to overcome than actually learning how to express gratitude appropriately, but how to receive it?
2: I think that's an excellent question. Um, first of all, I just want to say there's, we've been shocked that there's so much more research, Deborah, on giving gratitude than receiving gratitude, and we found in strengths in general as we've combed through the research, as James said earlier in the interview, a lot of the positive psychology is individual-based and how much giving and how much you can do and expressing, which is great, but the the flip side, the receiving, there doesn't seem to be as much work or it's more at its infancy. So that's the first part. And secondly, to your point, yes, I think very much so culturally that people have more of um, a difficulty receiving gratitude, and we tend to deflect. In fact, in our recent workshops, we were really amazed that when we asked for a show of hands of people who felt, to your point, you know, because they're humble or modest, uncomfortable accepting gratitude or praise from their partner, so many hands went up. Um, And I think that really surprised us, right, James?
3: Yeah, so I think it's, you know, exactly right what you said. Um, And it's almost as though people's see gratitude as being like a finite amount of it on the table. And if you take some of it, then your neighbor won't be able to. So it almost feels virtuous to us sometimes, you know, to deflect, not to take that in, which is really, you know, it doesn't make any sense when, we, when you think about it for a second. Now, back to our dance metaphor, you know, it's been said that Ginger Rogers did everything that Fred Astaire did except backwards and in high heels. So we think that receiving gratitude is actually much harder for most of us than actually giving gratitude.
2: And it's interesting because that reminds me of something that uh, the wonderful Harvard psychiatrist George Valiant um, talked about in a lot of lectures and in his recent book, The Triumph of Experience. He gives a case of, a, I think it was a retired professor and for um, either like a birthday or uh, some big day that his wife is celebrating with him, an anniversary, she gave him a box of gratitude letters. I believe it was from his students over the year to um express, you know, their gratitude for his wonderful teaching. So she was really excited to give it to him. The problem was he just did not have the strength to open the letters, and it was really sad. So here was all this great praise sitting there and if you could think about it, but he just didn't feel, you know, strong enough um to open those letters and really receive the gratitude. And when I talked to George about this, he said it's a big level of, um, you know, vulnerability. So a lot of us don't, um, you know, find being vulnerable maybe something natural or easy in life. And I think with gratitude and with the other strengths James mentioned, sometimes it's easier, I think, to be a giver, but to really receive things. What do you have to, you know, be like to receive? you got to be open and vulnerable and letting the gratitude, the love, the kindness really come in.
0: It is a, an upbringing that uh, you know that we ha- well, all have that it's almost don't draw attention to yourself as kind of a uh, don't don't be overly prideful don't be overly uh, you know uh, egotistical about your accomplishments and I think that's where gratitude kind of. Gets in the way. But the, the concept that you express that people want to give you something, which is why they're expressing gratitude, I think is lost on a lot of people. And I can see how in a particularly in couples that could be uh, if you don't if you don't recognize that, that could cause to lead to long term problems because it kind of removes the genuineness of the communication.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And it, 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 the dance kind of stops before it starts. You know, again, to this to point earlier, um, we're not wanting to pretend that there's a one size fits all around gratitude we know that there are differences in their cross-cultural differences um, there are gender differences no doubt age differences and so forth we do think though that gratitude is like a dance in that the more you do it you know the better you get and it's important to ask yourself or yourselves in the context of relationship you know how how are we doing with this gratitude dance um you know are we are are we able to um, Uh, feel what the other person is trying to, um, again, gift to us.
2: Okay, so we find that in giving gratitude, there's three steps that can help couples. First, just being grateful. So this is really noticing things that your partner does or things about his or her personality um, that brings you joy and cultivating the the state of um, gratefulness. And then the second step is expressing it. And as James said, you really have to have the right context, know the right culture, so even the culture within your relationship. So communicating with your partner, not just what's good for you, but you have to focus on your partner. Some people might like, you know, a letter. Others, you know, maybe a verbal expression, maybe a nonverbal, you know, maybe doing little acts. So again, the second step is expressing gratitude, communicating with your partner in a way that works for you but even more importantly um the way you think your partner likes to be communicated to and then thirdly um really directing that gratitude and focusing it on your partner like an example we gave instead of james talking about you know the benefits of me helping him out with his book it was more about him ideally you want to really focus on uh what your partner did what strengths of his or hers you know uh were really displayed in that activity.
3: Great. So that's the Ginger, I'm sorry, that's the Fred Astaire part. So the Ginger Rogers part then is the receiving gratitude. And we think similarly there are three key steps to receiving gratitude in a way that will support this relationship, this gratitude dance. First of all, it's just being open to the expressed gratitude. So it's accepting it. Um, And uh, just oftentimes, again, just a simple thank you um, is a way of, of doing that. And then secondly, taking it in even more deeply, so savoring the expressed gratitude, really basking in it, letting it you know not just saying thank you and moving on to something else quickly but 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 saying thank you and, and really letting it kind of sift down into the different corners of our uh, of our souls um, and then finally, sharing the effects of the spread of the expressed gratitude, um, so when you know when we when we do something for the person, our significant other, we really hope that it lands, and we really hope that it makes them feel good. You know, if I were giving Susie a back rub, and I gave her, a, you know, and one minute into it, she stands up and says, that was great, let me give you a back rub, and gives, I would say, no, I, I, want it, I want you to feel it and enjoy it, right, and I want to know about it, so when it's really helping her to relax, I like hearing that it is having its intended effect, right, so similarly, when we're receiving gratitude, accepting, savoring it, and then sharing the effects of the expressed gratitude, indicating how it makes us feel on the inside to be seen in this way, to be appreciated um, in this way. So those are the basic steps that we see both on the giving side and on the receiving side. And then we follow that up with two Uh, interactive exercises that we'll share with you. Again, because this isn't just about, you know, theoretically understanding this stuff. It's about putting it into practice in our relationships.
2: We like to ask um, people to think of a recent time that they expressed gratitude. And then think to yourself, did you focus on the other or did you focus on yourself? And if you focused on yourself, how could you reframe that?
3: Great. So that's the first exercise. Um, How do you typically you work on the expression of gratitude, and then the second exercise is how do you typically receive gratitude? So to your point, uh, Deborah, is there a way that you kind of grew up thinking was the norm or you've fallen into particular habits? Do you typically deflect or that rapid reciprocation, the hot potato that Susie was talking about, or do you discount? Uh, let me tell you all the reasons why it's not such a great thing, or do you accept And perhaps uh, amplify and really savor so our question is observe how you typically are on the receiving side and then ask yourself how might you modify your responses to gratitude to be a better dance partner
0: ultimately if people want to put this into practice they have to take specific actions that might make them uncomfortable or outside the norm is you know answer those two questions and then reframe what would be your natural response is what you're advocating
3: Exactly. Yes. And I think it's good to have, you know, to have this conversation with your significant other, because if you just all of a sudden, you know, change what you've been habituated to doing the other person, you know, it's like if you're in a dance and suddenly you just start dancing the tango instead of the salsa, it can throw <laughs> your partner off. Right. So I think it's good to have a conversation. You know, how do how do you feel when I express gratitude? You know, does, are you able to, does it, does it land? Does it come across that I'm really wanting to do this? Or how does it feel when, you know, you're, Responding to the, or when I respond to the gratitude that you uh, give, does that, does that work? Ultimately it's about does the dance work, right? And so you've got to try it out, you've got to talk it out. Um, and then, yeah, I think positive psychology does have these, um, full of these moments where we kind of are asked to um, take some new actions and they may seem a little um, uncomfortable at first because they're so unfamiliar. But if we stick with them and we're wise in selecting the actions that really do work better, then I think pretty quickly we'll typically feel, that just, that just seems you know so much better. The dance is going better. And the more you practice those new actions, then the better you will get at them, the more common or the more familiar they will feel, and then they'll turn into habits. And then the dance will be something you can do without even thinking about it
1: fascinating stuff from Susie Pelegi powelski and James Powelski-PhD. If you'd like a free sketch note of this episode or to learn more about James's latest book entitled On Human Flourishing, a poetry anthology, visit livehappy.com slash romance. And while you're online, we would like to hear from you. Let us know what you took away from this podcast. Give us a shout on Twitter at livehappy. You can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash livehappy or on Instagram by searching My mylivehappy or send us an email. We'd love to hear from you anyway you possibly would want to reach out podcast at livehappy.com that's going to do it for this edition of live happy now for james Pawelski, phd Susie Pelegi Pawelski, and deborah heiss i'm jr houston saying so long and remember to always live happy